Guys, welcome to the podcast. Today is Sunday, June 12th, the deadline for Arizona bighorn sheep, deer, and buffalo is due Tuesday, June 14th. And you can apply online, go to azgfd.gov, I believe, or .com, not sure which one. Make sure you get your applications in uh, with the new system for the non-residents out there. 5% of those tags that usually go to the max point holders, uh, there's a 5% random draw. So now as non-residents, you actually have a chance to draw 13B, 13A, some of those better deer hunts. Uh, the five percent, the five and five new rule change does not apply to sheep, but I've been getting a lot of emails from people asking whether they should apply, and my answer is yes, of course. I mean, this is the first year in a long time that you actually have a chance to draw the best deer tag in the state of Arizona with zero points. I mean, it can happen. So make sure you get your apps in, and uh, I want to thank you guys for all your support of this podcast please follow us on instagram facebook youtube and on our blog at jscottoutdoors.com and colburn and scott outfitters.com and on our goulds turkey website gouldsturkeyhunt.com please also go on itunes and give us a good rating give us a five star uh, rating and a good review that helps our placement on itunes uh want to commend you guys um, for all your support. Uh, I think I announced in the last podcast we have uh, passed over 2 million downloads, uh, which is mind-boggling. If you think about it, that's a big number and uh, just appreciate all the support that I've gotten from you guys. Uh, If you would like to send me an email, uh, you can do so at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com actually putting together some episodes answering a lot of these questions i get uh, multiple questions every day and i'm happy to answer usually i answer the same same day a lot of times within within the hour uh, as long as i'm not fishing Uh, speaking of fishing the rivers up here in colorado are about at their peak Uh, water's coming over the banks in a lot of spots Uh, the roaring fork river is really high and chocolatey off color Uh, the eagle is high the colorado river is high and um, it's just a great time those fish get a little bit of a break and uh, get to you know flush that river out and the snow melt is awesome you can see it receding up on the big ridges and and, uh, big mountains and it's just a beautiful time of year guys uh, go hunt insider I wanted to remind you their their giveaway for the month of June is five Kuyu tents with a retail value of twenty two hundred and fifty dollars make sure to sign up for gohunt.com insider because every month you get a chance to win uh, great prizes and gear. And this month is no exception with the Kuyu uh, tents. All you have to do is be a member to have a chance to 
be in the drawing every single month. And make sure to use the J. Scott promo code when signing up and you'll automatically get a $50 Kuyu gift card. Guys are right. This is, you know, critical time right here before the monsoons hit. Uh, we had a few storms in Arizona. I know up here in Colorado, it seems like the very next day after a good rain in Arizona, we get storms here. And um, if we can just, there's some fires burning. If we could just get past this critical time of, you know, dry lightning fires and such um, and uh, get some great summer monsoons, I think... Uh, It'll be another great year. So uh, the elk are really growing. Uh, I've been getting some photos of uh, elk that are really, really pa packing on the inches. And uh, that's exciting. Uh, guys, I also um, withdrawing this uh, Utah beaver elk tag. Um, I've, I've been a little bit out of archery and I'm kind of rejuvenated and I've been really enjoying shooting my bow and uh, it's just uh, really fun. I, I forget how much I love the sport of archery and um, you know all the things that go with it so it's been fun up here uh, trying to get ready for this elk hunt and encourage you. I've been listening to a podcast with uh, John Dudley uh, it's called Knock On Podcast, and if you don't listen to it and you're an archer, you need to. It is a fantastic um, podcast. Uh, D John Dudley is is obviously very, very well-known, real technical um, guy, but he's got some really good hands-on approach. Uh, he, he shot 3D competitive for a long, long time. He's an archery coach, and um, I just really enjoy that podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and have him on as a guest. I um, think he would be a great guest. Uh, today, we are going to be talking with Breck and Bronson Bundy of Utah. They live just, just in, uh, in the suburbs of St. George, Utah, and uh, they're born and raised on the Arizona Strip, which is, oh, you know, right there south of St. George, right on the Arizona line. And uh, this is going to be a great episode to get to hear the two brothers. Uh, Breck was fortunate last year to harvest that giant 270 or 80, um, just a giant uh, non-typical buck. want to say his mainframe was 224. That's off the top of my head with a bunch of trash. And uh, he was also the guide, uh, Parker Colburn, my... Uh, Guiding and hunting partner Dar, his son drew the tag, and they hired Breck Bundy and and uh, Parker shot an awesome, you know, studly heavy buck, uh, 220 inch buck up there on the strip. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Feel free to send me an email at jscottoutdoors@gmail.com, and thank you guys for all your support. And please support the sp the sponsors. You'll hear uh, throughout the podcast a few commercials with some promo codes, getting some discounts from these great companies. So, guys, let's keep training. Let's uh, keep preparing for these hunts that are coming and uh, look forward to hearing and seeing all the great stories and, and uh, trophy photos and such that are coming this fall. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got the Bundy brothers. We've got uh, Breck Bundy and Bronson Bundy. How you guys doing? Doing really good, Jay. How about you? 
Good. It's uh, going to be great to talk to you fellows at uh, Mule Deer Addiction, uh, Mule Deer Addiction Outfitters. What do you, what do you call it, Breck? That, that's it. Mule, Mule Deer Addiction Outfitters. We just abbreviate it uh, MDA. MDA. Yep. I call you guys the dream team, uh, Bronson and Breck and Brett and your whole team. Uh, last year, uh, my my hunting partner, for the listeners out there that don't know, my hunting partner, Dar Colburn's son, uh, Parker, drew the 13B uh, strip tag, and uh, Dar hired uh, Breck and his crew to uh, find Parker a buck, and I was fortunate to be up on the Arizona Strip last year in 13B uh, in the Bundy camp uh, uh, and uh, had just a ball uh, with, with your whole crew, Breck. And um, obviously, for the people that don't know, uh, Breck drew a tag as well. Um, and uh, Dar called and says, hey, uh, Parker drew and we're all set to go. And Breck drew a tag too. And we were just on cloud nine in the fact that we knew that you were going to put an unbelievable effort in, regardless if you had a tag or not. But we knew that you having a tag, uh, you know, you had extra motivation to uh, get out there and pound it. Uh, and um, it obviously worked out great for for both you and uh, Parker. And um, it's just uh, great always to spend time with you. I was fortunate to spend time up in your camp uh, a couple years ago when Daniel Franco had the tag and. Um, just, uh, two great guys. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, which one of you is older? I'm actually older, Jay. This is Breck. So I'm about, oh. uh, four years older than Bronson. Okay. And Bronson, uh, how you doing and how have you done this year? Have you drawn any tags or do you have any hunts, uh, on the horizon for you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't do, uh, I didn't fare very well in the draws this year. I did draw a, uh, Colorado antelope tag um, and that's about all I'll be doing we we're uh, we don't necessarily have a lot of time to, to do a lot of our own hunts we spend most of our time on the strip so when we we just we don't get to get out as much as we like out of Arizona so well speaking of getting out I know that uh, you've fallen uh, victim a little bit to a bug that uh, a lot of us guys in Arizona have kind of fallen victim to fallen prey to whatever you want to call called the coos bug and <laughs> i know i, I know <laughs> your brother breck is laughing but uh you've you've had a chance to go down to mexico and um uh i think you even drew a tag in arizona and shot some bucks there and um what do you think of those coos deer you know it's um it's probably one of the most fun hunts that you can do other than mule deer, in my opinion. I mean, there's just something about them, the mystique about them. It's kind of like mule deer, you know. Um, same type of hunting, glassing. They're they're fun. It's it's definitely an addiction. I never thought I would even really ever hunt them until you and Franco and, and everybody else got me into them. And now I look forward to Mexico again. You know, we're going again this year, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So it is fun. Yeah, I happen to know the... The ranch that you're going to this year, Dar and I made a scouting trip down in, I uh, believe it was February after the hunts, and um, an unbelievable property, and uh, big property, and we've got high hopes for you guys uh, going down there and, and hunting this year in Mexico. The question is, are you going to be able to drag Breck away from the strip to uh, get him <laughs> to go down there with you, or is he just going to snub his nose at it? 
that's about what's going to happen, Jay. I I can't get him away from the strip ever. I don't know if I've ever, uh, maybe other than a general hunt once in a while, I can sneak him out for a day or two, but rarely do we get him off the strip. So it's it's yeah. my home away. It's my home away from home, Jay. That's where I'm I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, Breck, you have two wives. You've got your lovely, beautiful wife, and you've got the Arizona Strip. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly right. And I, I, my, the good thing is, my wife and my boys love to go out. They were actually out with me this last week, and uh, so they love to get out there a little bit with it, with me as well. But uh, when it when it starts getting this time of year and it gets really hot, they, uh, at least my wife anyway, she she tends to want to stay home a little bit more this time of year, but. Yeah, um, you were out just this last weekend uh, setting some cams and stuff. Uh, tell me about uh, how hot was it and uh, what are the conditions looking like out there on the strip, Breck? You know, the vegetation's actually still looking pretty good up until, you know, just the last two weeks. It's been pretty cool, and I would say uh, below average even with temperatures. But when I was out on Sunday by, I think it was 11 o'clock, just looking at my truck, uh, my truck thermometer there, it was uh, 100 degrees in Main Street Valley. And so it, it was pretty dang hot. But a lot of the a lot of the, the, the stock ponds, cattle ponds, you know, a lot of those had water. Um, a lot were dry. Like I say, the vegetation still looked pretty good. And uh, hopefully we can get a get a few more storms or at least one storm, you know, this this month. Usually, you know, May and June are our driest driest months and then we hit uh you know right around the fourth of july or the following week uh we usually start getting that monsoon moisture and it you know it tends to happen every year like clockwork so but it would be nice to see another storm from now till then but i don't know that that's going to happen this year yeah you know um uh, daniel franco sent me a text last night of a kind of a freak thunderstorm blew through his town and it looked like it was you know mid-monsoon and you know, raining to beat the band. Um, let's hope that, you know, maybe you get a freak uh, a freak storm or maybe it'd be awesome to kick up some early monsoons, maybe the end of, you know, June and get that moisture. Um, Breck, I want to ask you about uh, last year with your hunt. Uh, did you have max points uh, when you drew that? And, uh, you know, what were your expectations going into the hunt? Yeah, I, I did have max, Jay. I had been applying for, I believe it was 20 years. I actually started applying before Arizona went to the bonus point system. And so, you know, obviously I live right here in southern Utah, just, you know, uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from the from the, the strip, you know, the Arizona-Utah state line. But, uh, but yeah, I did have, have max points. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I Once everybody knew I drew or a lot of my friends and family, they're like, yo, you're going to kill a giant, you know, and I – I had real realistic expectations, if you will. I mean, I, you know, I wanted to kill the biggest buck I knew about, but at the same time, you know, if I saw a 220 inch buck, you know, in the first few days, I wasn't going to let him walk, you know? And so, so that was kind of my, my goal, kill the biggest buck uh, that I could. And, and, you know, it just, the stars all aligned for me last year. I mean, to draw the tag is awesome to, to draw it on such a good moisture year was incredible. And then obviously to kill a buck, uh, buck like I did was just uh something else and beyond what I could have ever dreamt of yeah and Bronson I would ask you when you found out that uh uh your big brother drew the strip uh you were probably ever bit as excited as he was 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we, you know, we're pretty tight knit him and I, and we, you know, we've been running around out there since we were kids dreaming about that kind of opportunity. So it's almost like having a tag, you know, when you have a tag in the family, it's almost like having your own tag. And so we get excited when things like that happen. And, and it was, uh, like you said, it, it was uh, an awesome year to have the tag. There's no doubt about it. So I got to ask you, just between you and him, is he hard to live with now? You know, every once in a while, he'll rub it <laughs> in a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> hey, he probably deserves it. You know, I, I always tell everybody, I think he's got the family record, as they say. I don't know if that one's ever going to be topped. So unfortunately, yeah, and- I'm, I'm kind of out of luck in that category. Yeah, you're going to always be playing second fiddle, I'm afraid, on that one, uh, as, well, as well as everybody else uh, in the world. Um, now that we're, we've, we've talked about that buck, um, Breck, for the people out there listening that don't know, tell me a little bit about your buck. I was fortunate to see it and have my hands on it and drool all over it. But uh, what did the buck end up scoring? Uh, how many points? How wide? Give me the full scoop on it. Well, he was, uh, just start with point breakdown, he was 20, I believe he had 21 or 22 scorable points on his right side. Um, and, and his right side, I believe, was 156 inches, something like that. And his left side, I believe he had... Oh, I'm looking at him right here, Jay, in my office. 14 scorable points. Um, I don't have the official score sheet right in front of me, but I believe his left side was 114 inches or something. Outside spread was 35, I believe. Uh, his inside spread was kind of his weakest weakest spot on him. It was 21 inches, I believe. Um, but anyway, he ended, he ended up, you know, we scored him multiple, multiple times, and he ended up officially, and I haven't entered him in the books, but uh, – I believe he was 280, 284, 286 gross, um, and netted 274, 273 or 274. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, just, uh. just unbelievable, you know. And we we actually had field taped him, you know, at 287 and change. And then we we had a we didn't. It was you know obviously before the the drying period was up, but we had a, an official measure score him. So it was kind of a green score, and he actually came up with with 290 inches uh, is what I believe we actually had posted green score. And then, uh, so anyway, that's kind of the breakdown of him. I mean, just, just a buck that you, you know, you just can't, I don't know, to, to see a buck like that, let alone have an opportunity to, opportunity to kill him is just something else, you know? And so, yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me on it is um, once Parker killed his buck and just a massive, just, you know, Arizona strip, massive buck, and then to see the two of them together and then realize that your buck is actually quite a bit, I would say, heavier than Parker's, that kind of put it all in perspective. You know, not only does it have, you know, tons of points, but it's got incredible mass and, you know, just a great frame. It just does. an awesome, awesome buck. Yeah, I believe the, the, the typical four-point frame was 215 inches or somewhere right in there. And, and, you know, the one, the one cool thing is, I mean, he's got, my buck has seven inch bases and he does carry his mass up pretty well, but, but that buck Parker killed, I mean, just the mass all the way up every point is just unbelievable to me. Yeah, no, definitely uh, two very, very unique bucks. And uh, certainly, 
you know, when you start talking about the family record and stuff, the Bundy family, there, there's a lot of been big bucks that have been killed uh, in your family. And um, that's just a, a tremendous, you know, thing that, you know, it, honestly, and you know it, I mean, the likelihood of you ever seeing a buck like that again is, is, is very rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, just incredible. So, so it's a little, little bit turning a little dry on the strip, um, but good, good spring, good winter moisture. Your anticipation, if we just have a, uh, you know, an average monsoon, you're thinking uh, going to be a pretty good year. I, I do. I think uh, with some of the bucks and, and talking 13B specifically, um, I think with some of the bucks that we know about that made it through the hunt, um, and then with that hunt being a week later, um, you know than it uh, always has been. I think you're going to see, I think 13B is going to produce some, some, uh, some really big bucks again this year. And so that being said, you know, the game and fish, obviously they swapped the two hunts around. Um, and the reason being, I understand why they did it, but, uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, trying to manage for an older age class buck. And so on 13A, they haven't been able to accomplish that the past two or three years or four years or whatever. And, and so, you know, by, by switching those hunts, 13A is going to be a lot tougher hunt. 13B is going to be, you know, one week later and closer to that, you know, right in the middle of the rut. And so um, the only concern I have is with that hunt being, a, being that week later, you know, it's going to basically turn into, you know, you're going to kill off the older age class buck. So it's going to go right back to kind of how 13A is now. But, so, but, I, but I completely understand why the Game and Fish did that, you know, trying to help that 13A unit and, and uh, achieve their their age class objective yeah let's talk about that double-edged sword here after the break okay sounds good utah hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they are open to whatever you can dream up choose from a wide range of camel patterns designs and colors whether it's guns bows tools rifle stocks vehicles steering wheels fenders dashboards paint guns fishing rods cups tripods watches knife grips helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle picture frames mailbox animal skulls you name it they can probably do it utah hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10 percent discount by using the j scott six promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. I I definitely hear what you're saying, uh, guys. You know, it's it will make for... You know, I don't know how it can get any better than last year. I mean, across the board, there were some tremendous bucks, not only in your camp, but other camps, there was some tremendous bucks killed. And I'm, you know, I'm not so sure that um, this year there will be 
better bucks killed. I just think that, you know, the, the hunters that draw this year are going to get to see, you know, we had pretty good rut last year um, from the get-go. And I just can't imagine being a week later, you know, but conditions could change, you know, it could, you know, it could be dry, it could, you know, it could maybe be just the same activity level as last year. But can you imagine if you get some early snows and stuff and, and if those bucks, if they just really turn on how as a hunter and being able to guide up on that hunt, how that 13B going on those late dates, I mean, it could just be an unbelievable experience. It absolutely could. And like you said, you know, this last year, I think you and I, when we talked last year on the podcast, you know, we had talked about, you know, certain years, you know, we've seen really good rut activity uh, early, um, you know, 2008. I know we talked about that before, but, uh, you know, we had an early storm come through just like we did this last year and, and it didn't dump, you know, three or four inches, uh, but it got cold. And I think that really helped, uh, you know, get those does uh, in heat and the bucks followed right along. And so, yeah, if you, you know, if you had uh, even say a storm like we did this last year and, and the conditions were right, that hunt being one week later will just be phenomenal. And I'm with you. I don't think you're necessarily going to see, see uh, more big deer killed um, versus last year. You know, I mean, it was just an unbelievable year, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Yeah. And do you think that the, uh, I mean, is there a chance that, you know, if, if the right conditions come in that, you know, every doe group will have a buck with them and it'll just be, you know, Katie bar the door, so to speak. Um, you, I mean, do you think it can be that good? I don't know if I would say it's going to be that good, but I mean, it could be close to that. I mean, every little group of does you find, you know, I mean, you're always going to have those little pockets of, of does or groups of does that maybe you know, don't come into heat quite as quick as others. And so those bucks are still going to be kind of traveling, you know, the ones that don't, uh, don't uh, link up with those does. And, uh, and so I don't know that it would be quite that good, but it's still going to be, you know, still could be unbelievable for sure. I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, in years past, you know, you get even after the hunt, you know, a week or two after the hunt, right. And, you know, during Thanksgiving or whatever, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable watching, uh, watching some of these big bucks, you know, fighting over does and everything. So, I mean, you were telling stories. I've heard you guys sitting around a campfire telling stories of, you know, driving around Thanksgiving and stuff where like a 200-inch buck will literally walk right by the truck, just walk right across the road and not even look up. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we we go out there quite a bit after the hunts uh, on that prime time rut just to, you know, to go out and video and, and hang out and whatnot. But it seems like every time we go out there that time of year, it's just you're always seeing those big bucks and they, they just don't have a care in the world. And that's, you know, and that's what uh, the perfect storm comes. And with that hunt being late, that's what we're going to get. And it's going to be phenomenal. So Bronson, a question for you, and then I'll have Breck answer it or weigh in on with his two cents with the new change of Arizona uh, with not all of the 10% of the non-resident tags, because you both are non-residents, uh, with, with, with five going in the max point pool and five going in a random draw, uh, you know, I know you both don't have max. Uh, you guys have got to be feeling pretty chipper about the fact that, <laughs> uh, you know, you actually have a chance to draw 13B rifle. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, everybody has that chance and that they've, they've opened the doors um, and it's made it, 
you know, it, it gets you a little excited when you're putting in for the hunts now, you know, every year you put in for Arizona and, you know, I drew, I drew my tag a few years back, but you know, the excitement's back now, you know, you, I mean, someone has to draw the tags, you know, it's not a high rate of success by any means. And everybody knows that, but there's still that chance to hunt, you know, the greatest unit in the world, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to mule deer and man, I, I actually put in uh, yesterday and I uh, made my heart start pumping, you know, knowing that I had a <laughs> chance again, you know? Yeah. My question will be how hard will you sock your brother if he drew two years in a row? I don't think I'll be the only one that uh, gets to pump him, you know, thump him a little bit. So, I, our, our good friend uh, Brian Rimza, Jay, he he told me uh, when I told him, I said, you know, I just, you know, and going back to to me drawing the tag last year, I mean, how fortunate I draw a tag when when I still had a lot better odds. You know, I know with the way they changed it, I mean, a lot of the non-residents that I talked to that have max points, I mean, it screwed their odds up big time, but. You know, I draw that tag, uh, and then they change it. So now I, I can turn around and actually have a chance to draw it again. And I was talking to Brian, and and Brian said, if you draw that tag again, you're going to get killed up there. Somebody will kill you <laughs> if you draw that. <laughs> so. Well, let's let's hope not. But uh, I guarantee you, I I guarantee you, you'll catch some ribbon from me and Daniel and Brian and Dar and and for sure Bronson and your dad. I'm sure will be giving yeah. you a slug slug in the arm for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. Guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about gear here. Um, just take a little bit of a shift. Um, I know that I got a chance to ride, and you guys uh, have those razors. Um, and I run a Polaris Ranger, and man, what a difference in uh, the ride and the, the, the you know how fast you can get around and how smooth they are. Um, for one, I'll, I'll I'll say before I get into it. I thought I could drive fast off road and not that I, you know, it's just out of necessity trying to cover a lot of country and I haven't ridden with Bronson, but my goodness, I rode with Breck and I, I, I tried to wear not only my seatbelt, but my neighbor's seatbelt and uh, was <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Um, tell me about using those uh, razors on the strip and what it's allowed you to do. Well, it's definitely you know, it, like you said, it gives us the ability to cover so much more country, Jay. And uh, just going back to one thing you said, you, you've driven with me. Uh, I about guarantee you, you get in with Bronson, you're going to be uh, wanting to put all four seatbelts on. <laughs> <laughs> he, used to, he used to race quads, and so, so he gets in and he goes. He even goes uh, faster than I do. But, uh, but back to the Razors, I mean, they're just they're so nice. You know, the, the Rangers are sweet. Uh, you know, you have a little more space, uh, bed space and, you know, space to put some gear and stuff, but, but, uh, you know, we have all the room we need. We throw a couple, uh, you know, the Rubbermaid boxes in the back, load them up with cameras, throw an ice chest on the, on the back seat. And, and so it does, it's, it's open it up. I mean, it just saves our, you know, our trucks and saves us so much time getting from water to water, but just, and just to, go a little further i mean the comfort of them you know i mean we go out on a weekend or you know for three or four or five days to go run trail cameras for instance i mean we you know you're putting on four or five six hundred miles you know in those three or four or five days and uh to do that in a pickup or on a on a quad like we used to uh, you just you can't cover the country first and by the time you're done on a quad or a truck you're rattled loose your your teeth are all falling out so it definitely helps to be able to move around and 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 
you know, going to that country, going that fast and, and being able to get around that quick. So they're definitely a, a tool that that's huge for us. And, and the what? one good thing too, Jay, is like our, you know, our razors, I ran a Can-Am, I think we talked about that last time, but you know, the razors, they've just been awesome. I think mine's a year and a half old and I've got uh, 5,500 miles, 6,000 miles on it, something like that. And I haven't, I haven't had any, any real issues to speak of. So that's been a big, big uh, plus for us too. I'm surprised you don't uh, slip into Bronson's garage in the early morning and pull pull his out and take his out on the strip for four or five days. <laughs> I, do, I do actually do that every once in a while. <laughs> I know you do. That's why I said it. <laughs> um, what kind of tires are you guys finding from an equipment standpoint? Is there a certain type of tire that you fa- you guys have found that works better for you? Well, I, me personally, I, I've run through, you know, multiple sets of the Maxxis Bighorns. Um, they've been an incredible tire, but Bronson, I'll let him, let him kind of fill you in on what he's running on his razor. You know, I, I've actually went to a, a truck tire, um, a BFG, uh KM2. And the, and the reason I did that is, it's like Breck said, he's run through multiple sets of tires already. And I, I just get sick of, uh, of changing tires out. So I, I actually went to a truck tire. Um, and they're, you know, so, so like, a full radial like, tire. Yeah. Full radial tire is something that, you, that someone would put on their, you know, their pickup truck to go out there, uh, with, and, uh, it's just, they, they, it's lasted, they've lasted so much longer the wear on them. And we haven't, you know, and I haven't had any issues with it. So that's, that's what I've went to just to get the miles out of it, the longevity. How much different size wise are they say from the Maxis Bighorn that Breck's running? Um, minor, well, they're, they claim they're an inch, you know, an inch taller. I think I'm running 30 inch tall tires, but they're probably in reality, two or three inches taller of a tire. So you're getting a little bit more clearance. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit more clearance, uh, with them for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you doing anything to the, to the engines with the air filters or anything? Or are you just running stock? No, we, we've kept everything on ours is for the most part stock. I mean, we run the roofs and some of the, you know, the things that just make it a little more comfortable, the, the windshields and the roofs to keep the sun off and things like that. But, um, as far as motor work or any of that, it's just all stock. We just, you know, air filters and oil changes changes for us constantly with as many miles as we put on there out there. But one, one thing, Jay, that we actually just, uh, just got, and it's, it's pretty slick. Me and Bronson both, we went on a big ride left from St. George here and went uh, all the way up to our property on 13A uh, on Mount Trumbull and then went on down to the Grand Canyon, a, a group of us. I think, I believe there was eight side-by-side, six or eight side-by-sides and good group of friends and family. But uh, anyway, Bronson's brother-in-law was running, uh, they're called rugged radios. And they're, they're uh, you know, he has it inside and we've both got our radios wired up inside our razors now. And anyway, what they come with is, you know, you, you can get them in a four-piece headset or whatever, but uh, it makes it so nice. You know, you put the headset on, you can play your music, you can actually talk to each other. It's just uh, box activated. Um, and so if me and Bronson are sitting next to each other in the Razor, we're doing 60 miles an hour and he wants to talk to me, you know, it, it, you don't hear that uh, engine noise and he can just talk like we're, you know, standing still, basically. And so it's pretty slick. And then we've got it to where, you know, we can actually transmit and talk to our trucks and everything else and so it's been a really slick i just i think i've had mine in for about three weeks now and i i love it it just changes the whole riding experience but that's great 
That that's good stuff. I always like hearing about that kind of gear. Um guys, I want to shift a little bit to the archery hunt and I know um Breck we've talked before on the podcast about uh hunting the strip on the archery hunt and you know it's interesting with the dynamic this year of you know the 5% uh in the max pool and 5% random um walk me through again a little bit about the archery hunt and uh some of the pros and cons uh, as people are trying to decide what to apply for? Well, I, you know, when we talked last, a, a lot of it, uh, you know, is, is weather related. I mean, you, you know, you get uh, heavy monsoons and Bronson can talk uh, to that point. He had a, had a tag in 2013 and I believe it rained 19 or 20 out of the 21 days of his hunt. And it wasn't just a little bit of rain. I mean, it rained more than I've ever seen it rain on the strip that summer. But, uh, but, but from that, you know, I tell a lot of guys, you know, hey, if it's hot and dry and, and you don't mind sitting water, you know, we're going to have you sit water. Um, we'll we'll glass, us as a group, we'll glass. If we find a buck in a spot that we can, you know, we can go in and, and uh, get you close, uh, we're going to, you know, we'll pull you out of the ground blind or whatever and, and go do that. But uh, like this last year, you know, we had some moisture, um, but it wasn't enough to, you know, to not sit water. So we actually, my hundred this last year, well, we did a combination. I mean, we did a lot of spot and stock last year. And we sat water, but uh, but it just kind of depends on the year. Um, the good, one good thing about the archery hunt, there's only I believe 25 tags on both units, 13B and 13A, versus the 75 on 13B this year. Rifle tags, that is, you know, um, and so there are fewer tags, um, and so you know, seems like a lot of times, you know, obviously there's going to be a few guys that are going to want to hunt the same buck because of the you know, because of trail cameras and, uh, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, if you, you know, if you get a, get a, get a hot and dry year, I mean, it can just be, it can be awesome, you know, sitting on water and, and waiting for a big old buck to come in. And obviously our trail cameras play, play a big part in which deer we're going to hunt, you know, which deer we can sit water on if he's coming in consistent, not coming in consistent. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's kind of on that end, but, I know like Bronson, you know, like I say, and he can probably fill you in that, you know, 2013, I mean, it was a rough, rough archery season, probably the worst I've ever seen as far as just the amount of moisture. I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah, let's take a quick break here, and then I want to ask Bronson a couple questions about that. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. 
I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any Outdoorsman's products. So Bronson, you draw 13B, right, in 2013? 13A. Okay, you 13A draw 13A. Yeah. And then and then it just, you know, high expectations and then all of a sudden it's just raining and raining and raining. Mentally, how hard was that to to deal with? You know, going in, uh, you know, I, we grew up out there. Going into it, you know, it's uh it's your it's our dream. That's our dream hunt. I mean, that's what we've dreamed about since we were little kids is being able to hunt the strip um and then to get out there and 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 that happened i mean mentally it it wore me down it was tough it was brutal not only did the strip i call it the strip factor you know mentally it's there already you know and and a little bit of pressure you know you want to kill something big and you want to you know and we we have expectations that are you know we keep them in check we know what it is you know and i you know, a 200 inch deer with my bow, I would have shot it. Um, but it's, it was tough. There's no doubt about it to, uh, have that come in and rain on us. And, and never, I never even, honestly, I never pulled my bow back once. I had some opportunities at some 180 type bucks, you know, but that wasn't what I was there for. And so, um, it was, it was mentally draining and I, I'm not going to lie. I'm still trying to recover from it three years later. So, but it is what it is, and uh, we move on. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all you can do. You know, you, the conditions, uh, you know, you can't control the conditions. Um, you can only control your attitude, and you can only control your effort. And, uh, you know, try as hard as you can and give it the best shot you can. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then, you know, sometime your name is Breck Bundy and you kill a 280 <laughs> some inch deer too. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And we've all kind of been on that spectrum. And I think, you know, it's important as those hunts are going on and, you know, it's raining and raining and raining. I think you just got to keep plowing and maybe you guys can speak to that as to how, when you guys have faced some tough situations, how you just keep going and let the passion that you have for it, you know, keep keep pushing you forward. Yeah, you know, and, and when you're out there, it's the Arizona Strip, you know, from a day-to-day basis, things can change in, in a quick hurry. Um, you know, there's good years, and then there are some years that aren't so good, and you just, uh, you, you got to prepare yourself mentally for it. Um, it's a, you know, they're 10-day hunts as far as a rifle hunt, and you just got to push through it, um, knowing that, any second, any day, as long as you're working your tail off and, you know, and all of our guys and, and Breck and I, I mean, we, we work our butts off, you know, we're, we, we just, we're not, we'll just push through until it happens. I mean, it, and sometimes you have to, you know, change your game plan a little bit. Um, but mentally, you know, that something's going to change and it's, you know, it's the strip and it can change in one second, you know, you glass up the right buck, you get in the right spot and uh it it happens so you just push forward and and you uh you know you you never let your you know you never don't don't get upset and and just stay in it 
Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, guys, I'm kind of a history buff, and I love hearing about, uh, you know, history and heritage. And I know, Breck, on the last podcast, you covered it, but I'd like you to kind of talk about it again. Um, your family, going back to your, I believe, great-grandpa, um, walk me through a little bit about the history of your family on the Arizona Strip. Um, I just think it's a really neat story that, uh, that uh, you know, you guys – whatever generation you are out there, you know, fourth, fifth, I don't, I'm not sure what it is, but um, tell me a little bit about the history of the Bundy family out on the Arizona Strip. Okay, yeah, I, I, and I am not the best with the history, but let me just kind of go back to like my, my grandpa, uh, obviously my dad's dad, he was actually born and raised out there on the Strip. He was the oldest, I believe, Bronson may know this, of 17, 17 kids. Um, wow. And anyone that's been out there, uh, he was born and raised just uh, north and west of the schoolhouse. The schoolhouse actually sits on their old homestead property, which was a, a full section, a mile squared. Um, and so anyway, he being the oldest, uh, you know, I heard a lot of stories growing up of, of him at a you know, young age, 10, 11, 12. You know, they, what was his name, Brett? Uh, Chester Lamar Bundy was my grandpa's okay. name. Okay. And so... Anyway, the, I heard a lot of stories of him. They they ran back in those days. They ran a lot of sheep on the on the strip. It wasn't necessarily a lot of cattle like it is now. It was sheep grazing and stuff. But uh, anyway, he would at the age of you know like say ten, eleven, twelve, he would be sent down into what they call Mule Canyon uh, to kind of watch over the sheep. He'd be there for you know a week or two on at a time, um, all by himself. He, his horse, and his dog. How old? You know, and how old? He, uh, uh, ten, 10 to 12, I think, I want to say. <laughs> and so, because I, I believe, I believe he only, I believe they only went to school up through the sixth grade uh, out there. Maybe not even that much. I don't even know if he went that high. But, but anyway, just, you know, I look at that and, and, uh, and think, man, that's, that takes, uh, takes some doing a uh, lot different than nowadays for sure. Can you imagine dropping your 10-year-old off out there with the, with, <laughs> yeah, can you, with his fuel? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine the 10- or 12-year-old kids nowadays dropping off out there for two or three weeks without their iPad? <laughs> yeah, I can hardly go away from my Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> you know? Well, that, that is one thing about the Strip, Jay, and you know it. It's hard to get any cell service, so once you get out there, it, uh, you're kind of bowed away from, from civilization. But. Yeah, for sure. And so your grandpa ended up uh, running sheep and cattle and the whole thing out there. He did. Yep, he did. I believe he moved back, moved into St. George. Uh, I want to say when he was around 18, 18 or nineteen, he came into St. George and uh, you know just for work, you know, to get find work and uh, and stuff like that. And he ended up uh, working his whole career. He was a bulldozer operator for local 12 operating engineers union in Las Vegas did a lot of work in California and, and stuff like that. And so, and then your dad, uh, obviously grew up there in St. George. I want to hear about when your dad was taking you guys out on the strip, how old you were and maybe some of the stories about you guys when you were little tykes out there bouncing around. <laughs> yeah, there was plenty of bouncing around. He drives about like we do. Um, and that's where we learned it from, but he, uh, you know, there's a lot of memories. I mean, we, you know, everybody has their, their spot or their place that they go when they're young, you know, they go to the mountain or they go to the lake or they go, I mean, our place was the Arizona strip and we were going to the ranch and uh, you know, we'll 
some of our guys will be out there and we'll we'll say, hey, pick us up at the pond where we were when we videoed that four by five four years ago or when we were 15, you know, people are like, you guys don't even know the names of these things. We don't even know where you're at. We got a, you got different, you know, we would just, we, there's so many memories of so many different spots out there that, you know, it, but it was awesome growing up out there. You know, my dad would take us out there and he would find a track on the pond and off we would go, you know, what three, four, five years old we were, he was <laughs> around and, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we did. I, I think my mom said my dad started taking me out when I was just a year old. And so and and probably the same with Bronson. I I remember one day, I can't remember how old Bronson was, but we had an old Honda three wheeler, a big red three wheeler. And he was he was it was his turn to drive. And so he was falling behind us on the three wheeler. And I was in the truck with my dad and he kind of got behind us a little ways and we couldn't see him. And so I got out and started walking back and he'd actually flip that three-wheeler over on a piece of sagebrush. And I, I don't know how old he was. He couldn't have been more than eight or nine, but, uh, but I was sure nervous. I went running back and my dad went running and luckily everything was okay. He was okay. But. <laughs> and that started the eight, the uh, quad races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That three-wheeler was the beginning for sure. But we called Breck. I mean, he liked to get stuck in the ponds. We were constantly pulling him out of ponds on that three-wheeler. I don't, I don't know what it was, Jay. I just, I love to go and, and see how far out in the pond I could get on that big red three-wheeler. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've since learned my lesson. I don't like cleaning mud off all my stuff. So I try to avoid it if I can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wasn't there some story you guys broke down out there and you ended up riding on the three-wheeler, like from way out there all the way into St. George? Yeah, we were actually out on Trumbull and my dad had a an old Toyota pickup that he had for forever. It was just a two-wheel drive, and there was a little bit of snow on the ground, and it it warmed up and melted off, and we couldn't quite make it up a hill, and so and we couldn't get back up the hill we'd come down. So yeah. we were we were just stuck. We ended up leaving it right in the middle of the road, but uh, we ended up having to push that three-wheeler to get across the flat because it was so so muddy and messy that the the front tire and the fork would get all plugged up with mud, and it just wouldn't go. So we ended up pushing it about three or four miles, I think, to where we finally uh, were finally able to get a little traction and, and drove it all the way 65 miles back into St. George, me and my dad and Bronson, and all three of us on that old, uh, <laughs> big red. <laughs> oh, man. While we're talking stories, Bronson, did your big brother ever torture you in any way? And if so, I want to hear about it. <laughs> he can laugh now, or I guess I can laugh now because I don't worry about him too much anymore. But no, he, uh, you know what, he's, um, he's been pretty good to me. I mean, he, he started me out uh, at a young age and he, he caught the addiction at a young age. I mean, uh, you know, and he's, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to go out there and, and I to have him show me the ropes and show me over the last 15 years or 20 years, you know, I mean, when I was 10 years old and summer break, you know, and he was old enough to drive, we would, I mean, he would load me up with his buddies and allowed me to go out and film, you know, and, and glass with them. And so, you know, he didn't really, not not too bad. We actually, were, we got along probably the best out of all the siblings, I'd say. And, and uh, but he's been, he's been good to me and, and, you know, he's taught me a lot. So he didn't torture I, me too much. 
to go back to your I want to know face. how much he just how much he just slipped you under the table not to tell a story <laughs> on it. <laughs> Jay, Jay, he, he said he doesn't worry about me too much now, but I can still take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that would be fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that would be. I'd actually pay to watch that. Um, <laughs> that's fun stuff right there. Uh, great stuff. Well, guys, tell me a little bit about uh, any gear that you've been using that you uh, have found really works for you. And I'm sure you're going to have a little bit uh, differing opinions. And I'm curious whether it's optics or trail cams or boots or what have you kind of want to hear about some of the gear that you're using and what you guys like. You bet. For for the most part, Jay, we're, we're on the same page as far as optics goes. We do me and my dad, I think we touched on that a little bit last year, but me and my dad use the Leica Duo vids. Uh, they're a 10 to 15 by 50 binocular. It's awesome because I just pack around, you know, I have a pair of 10s and 15s around my, you know, neck all the time. But uh, uh, Bronson and the rest of our guys, you know, Brett and Bracken and, uh, you know, I can rattle them all off. But anyway, they, you know, they're all using the 1556 uh, um, and and you can't beat that glass. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then we're all using... Well, we're taking a page out of your playbook, Jay, and going to get the 95-millimeter Swarovski uh, for this year. So I'm looking forward to trying that out and, and using it. But uh, I'm, sure your all... wives, I'm sure your wives are real thrilled about that $5,000 <laughs> investment. Yeah, yeah I, I had to sell uh, my old spotting scope and a pair of other binoculars I had to, uh, to talk my wife into. And she says, well, how much more is it going to cost even above this? And I said, oh, don't oh. worry. It's not too much. But oh, Only two, kid, two kids and, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> so you guys, you're going to switch to the 95 millimeter um, spotting, the Swarovski spotting scope? Yeah, we're, we're all switching to the ATX. As a matter of fact, I think we've all got them coming. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And so. I'm I'm excited to use that uh, that adapter too, Jay, the one you were filming Parker's Buck with, with your SLR. I'm okay. uh, I'm going to get one of those coming. I'm actually looking forward to uh, to using that to do a lot of filming and taking pictures this year. But Yeah, you know that, that Swarovski TLS APO adapter is really good because it doesn't let any light in and it's real easy to slide on and off. Um, and I've gotten some of the best images I've ever gotten, both photograph and video, um, oh, you know, with that setup. So I think you guys are going to really like it. And I have, without a shadow of a doubt, can tell you that, you know, that 95 millimeter Swarovski, that 30 to 70 is by far the best spotting scope, um, I've ever looked through. And, you know, I've had, uh, three generations, I believe, of the Swarovski scope before the 95, and um, it, it's amazing. You're going to really like it, uh, ab absolutely. I, I do ask you, um, you went with the ATX. Um, I, I've got, I had the ATX, and mm -hmm. just uh, I'm so used to a straight spotting scope, I actually switched back to the straight. Tell me what your logic was with the ATX. Um. Honestly, in our mindset, you know, Breck and I have both used straights. We're we're going to try the angles out. Um, Brett, Breck, and, and the rest of the guys all use angled, but we've been using uh, the Koa Highlanders. Um, and so we thought that just from a comfort level, we're hoping that they're going to be a little bit better for us. Um, and so time will tell on that. We're We're not too convinced yet, but that's what we've got. And so we'll see what happens with that. I think 
being able to the 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 TLS APO adapter and any adapter for that matter, I think sits better on the angled because you know it's sitting down with a little bit more gravity. Um, but you know, I've I've found the straight. I just can find um, you know my target acquisition is just m much better. I'll be curious to see uh, what you guys think uh, once you get the ATXs. Um, but I know you're going to love the quality of the optics and I'm, uh, anxious to look at, uh, the, the you know, the quality of video that you're going to get. What cameras are you going to run with your, um, what, what cameras are you going to run on that adapter? Um, right now, Breck and I both are running the 70 D. Um, okay. So, so that's even, that's even better than the, I'm running an, a Canon SL1 and the 70 D you're going to get even higher quality images and video than what I'm getting with the SL1. Yeah. See, you know, I may actually buy an SL1J just because it's smaller, more compact, uh, easier to carry around. And, and I believe the price on it, you know, a little bit less than, you know, like a 70D, obviously. And so for, from that standpoint, I'm, I'm thinking I may uh, get that SL1 as well and, and try it out. But yeah, I mean, I think the body's like 300 bucks. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's definitely something worth trying. Let's take a quick break here. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Okay, guys, what other gear do you find is important? I'm curious what kind of boots you guys are running. <laughs> That's, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in that right now. We're actually, um, me personally, uh, I run Loa's. Um, I'm running the Loa Tibet. Uh, I've kind of fallen in love with that, that boot over the last couple of years. Um, uh, a lot of our guys are wearing crispies and they swear by those. And I, we're actually all, well, we've convinced Breck to, to switch to crispy, hopefully. And, and hopefully he, he comes to love them. But, and, and right, right now, Jay, I'm actually wearing just uh Danner pronghorns and Bronson's the one that actually put me onto those back in 2011, I believe. And, and I've loved them. I've had really good luck with them. I know some of our guys, Brett, he, he couldn't get very very much use out of his Danner pronghorns uh, before they were coming apart, but I I've had really good luck with them. They fit my foot really well. They're comfortable, and so that's actually what I've been wearing uh, quite a bit uh, over the past several years. But gotcha. And uh, so you're going to try some crispy um, uh, Bronson. Your the Loa makes a great boot, and you know that boot that you're wearing. You know that's a great sheep hunting boot. Um, as well, is that also the boot that you're wearing in the early season, like on the, the archery hunt as well? I personally do. Um, to me, it's the most comfortable boot I've ever worn. So, 
I um, I wear it all year, uh, all year round. It it is a little warm because it is a mountain boot, but um, the stability, you know, they're they're stiff. They're a stiff boot. I just like that that you know that mindset, knowing that I'm not going to twist my ankle. I'm not going to have any issues with that. Um, but to me, they're the most comfortable boot, and I've never I've never slipped another one on that feels like that. So I, I do wear them all year long. That's good stuff. Any other gear out there you guys want to mention? Absolutely. Um, you know, Kuyu, uh, we couldn't, I mean, <laughs> going through camel over the last 15 years and the, the way it's come along, but Kuyu, um, we, we've all switched to that. We all wear Kuyu. Um, our trail cameras, you know, we've, we're, we're running stealth cams and this year and, and they, they look to be sweet. Um, and so we're excited to run stealth cam. Um, but the pro, you know, and one of the big things with the strip is obviously glass. And we talked about the spotting scope, but everybody's got to have a pair of big eyes. Um, the Koa Highlanders, uh, I mean, we, we, all of us have our big eyes. So, um, anyway, as far as gear goes, that's for the most part, what we use. So. Well, I know that, uh, last year sitting on the hill, uh, <laughs> Breck, you and I were sitting together when Dara and Parker were stalking their buck and you were watching, I didn't have my Koas with me. I had my spotting scope and my 15s. And, uh, it, you know, all I got to say is my hat's off to you guys. Cause here you've got me and Dara in camp and all summer long sending us pictures and you've got <laughs> us going, well, he's got like a short G3. Eh, he's not that wide. Eh, he's a little spindly. Eh, and you know, you're and you guys probably were just like, "Who are these two? <laughs> no, you know, you well, send we, over a a beautiful, typical big four by four heavy base buck that I think got killed, and Dar and I were like, "Is it two hundred? I don't know. It doesn't." And I'm sure when we showed up at camp, you guys were just like, "These guys are a bunch of yahoos." <laughs> No, we, we, we do that to ourselves a lot too, Jay, just as far as looking at trail camera pictures and trying to analyze them. I mean, those we talked about that, I think, last time, but <clears throat> trail cameras can be so deceiving, you know, unless you get the absolute perfect angle or, or actually see them in the glass, you know, it's, uh, it can be a little tricky. We, me and Bronson and a bunch of our other guys will argue over certain deer. Oh, it's not, there's no way that deer's that big. And I'm saying, Hey, it could be, it's, he's, he's got the making or got the potential to be that big. And so, it's like that. Well, it's like that typical. You were, you know, you that I showed you guys. I actually filmed what the week before the hunt started, I believe. And uh, yeah, and Dar um, and I are going. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's two hundred. I don't know if he's two hundred. And Breck finally is like, you guys, um, you might need to actually see a strip deer killed before you can even open your mouth. He didn't say that, but I'm sure he was thinking that. <laughs> the thing that well, threw me off, guys, was the body size. Um, you know, and I think that's what we, it threw Dara and I off so much looking at the trail cam picks is the, those bodies of those deer are huge, giant they are. body. They, yeah, they are. And that's a, a, another big factor that really makes the rack look deceiving. You know, I tell a lot of people, these deer, these strip deer have giant bodies, big ears, you know, and, and so it definitely, definitely throws a lot of people off. Tell you see one on the ground, you don't, you just don't understand how big they are, you know, hunt, hunting them south, down south, like I have, and, and here in Utah, I mean, these deer, it's, there's an Arizona strip factor when it comes to body size. I mean, they're, they're almost double the size of, of our Utah deer. 
Um, so most people don't realize that it, it does throw you off. I know that the deer that uh, Parker ended up killing, Breck and I were sitting next to each other and, you know, Breck's just so polite. I'm saying, you think he's 200? And Breck finally looks over at me and he goes, Jay, I'm telling you in my heart, that deer is over 200 inches. And I'm sitting there going, are you sure? And, you know, he was probably sick of me after five minutes and we had to sit there for about two hours on the hill. And then, of course, we get up to the deer and he just smiles and I, I'm, I'm looking at him and he's just smiling and he, I go, is it big? And he goes, yep. And 220. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, uh, I mean, it, that yeah. was, that, that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, cause you were, you knew what you were looking at and that just goes to show for people out there listening that, you know, you have got to listen to your guide and follow that their advice, because honestly that deer maybe was a deer that darn, you know, because he, you know, at times he just didn't look as big, but you've got to listen to the guide. And the guide was saying that deer is over 200 inches. You know, that is a deer that you guys need to really consider. I liked how you didn't tell them what to do. You told them to use their own decision, but that, you know, that's definitely a deer you think is over 200 inches. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it too. I mean, and we had a great time sitting next to each other. I thought Jay <laughs> up yeah, there no, going back and forth, being able to watch that big old bruiser get up and walk around. But he was definitely a deceiving buck. I mean, you know, he doesn't have a big giant typical frame, but he's got 30 inch beams and mass to spare and what 36 wide and and uh, you know he just didn't have it. But I just you know we'd actually killed a buck really similar back in 20, 2011. I remember Franco, you know, had mentioned that that uh, hey I know this buck's bigger than that one and. And it, and it obviously it definitely was. I I know when we walked up and saw him on the ground, I was like, anybody care to anybody care to adjust their their scores? Because I I said this there's 210 all day long, and then to have him, you know, at 221 or 220 and some change or whatever. I mean, it just I think it kind of baffled all of us. But uh, but just a neat old buck. Yeah, I really enjoyed the time up there with you guys, uh, getting to share camp with you know, family and friends and just everybody that was around in our camp uh, just seemed like there was a great camaraderie and, you know, having your dad there and, you know, um, having uh, Breck in there, uh, you know, obviously Brett, um, you know, just a, just an awesome camp, awesome experience. I look forward to, um, doing it again. I know some friends, uh, that are really itching Danny Bright. Uh, there's, friends that are itching to uh, draw the tag and and go hunting again um and i really appreciate you guys spending time with us here wondering if either one of you have any kind of concluding thoughts here uh before we uh take off here well one one thing i, I was going to mention earlier uh jay was just the the age on on mine and parker's buck just for all your listeners my my buck was uh ended up aged at eight years old so he was right in his prime. Parker's deer was nine years old. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. So, you know, we we uh, definitely took a couple older, mature age class bucks, which is always a bonus. And so, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, and if anybody, you know, we get a lot of phone calls, but if anybody has questions, you know, hit us up. Um, we're more than willing to talk about the strip. We love it. Um you know, we can talk all day, every day about the strip with anybody that like, you know, any information or to know how things are going, they can get a hold of us. So um, give us a call. Um, 
I think we'd love to talk. Yeah, so. I think it's like I said, Jay. I think it's going to be another good year out there. I I don't know that we'll we'll necessarily top last year. I think it could be as good. Um, just my personal opinion. And so. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I bet you the quality of hunt will be every bit as good if 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 it will just you know get cold and get a few storms. I bet the rutting could be phenomenal. You know, I you know the guides up on the strip or you guys are a breed of your own and you guys are unbelievable at what you do so honestly i think you you know you don't necessarily need the extra seven days and into the rut more you're still going to kill big deer um but i think for the client or for the hunter that draws it um you know they're going to get to witness probably a more rutting activity and just deer moving around and i think um, you know, that, that, that was something that, you know, I'll never forget last year for as much rutting as there were and getting to see those mule deer rut, um, which where I live, uh, I don't get to see as often. So, you know, from an experience standpoint, I think the, you know, the later seven days, it's going to be fantastic. Absolutely. I'm in a total agreement with that. Okay, guys, where can uh, the listeners uh, find you? Uh, I know you're on Instagram. Tell, tell me your handles on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and uh, maybe your website. Yeah, our website is muledeeraddiction.com. And we don't do a whole lot on Facebook uh, anymore. We, we concentrate a lot on Instagram. It's uh, kind of fun. You know, you can throw up a picture and, and stuff. But our handle on Instagram is MDA Outfitters. And it's the same on Facebook, uh, MDA Outfitters. Awesome. Well, you t- you two take care, and um, I'm going to get ready for when Breck draws again so I can stock him <laughs> in the arm. You do, yeah. the same, you do the same, Bronson, so we can slug him hard in the arm when he, he goes, I drew again. <laughs> you don't have to worry. We'll be slugging him. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you guys, uh, God bless you and uh, have a good summer and enjoy your scouting out there. And we'll probably touch base uh, right before the season and see how things are going with the bucks out there and uh, uh, look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay.